0: Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your Monday? How uh, was was is whatever?
1: It, it is in the middle. of type, type stuff. Yeah, uh, it's How, good. Good. Uh, Dennis. How's Monday going? For you? It, it is a Monday still. Yeah. Um. Good. I I am um, tired from not getting enough sleep because I've been playing that terrible game that nobody likes called Baldur's Gate Three.
0: Same. Same. Yeah.
1: yeah. So. Today is another long line of tired days. <laughs> my my Monday was stay up until well it was you last night we played till what one almost something like that 12 one and then get up, go to work, work eight hours, um, come home eat dinner, get ready to go record the podcast, go back to sleep play some more Baldur's Gate. <laughs> that's been, that's been my, my last week and then and this week, so, or and weekend. And yeah, I, I will say that I spent an entire day, like I knew that I had Saturday off and it was the rare day where I didn't actually have to do anything. I planned to just do fun things, right? I want to watch mm-hmm. movies or shows or go to a movie, um, play board games, just have a, a me day, right? And I that me day mm-hmm. was just Baldur's Gate all day long. And I haven't done that in <laughs> literally years. Years and years and years.
0: Yeah, it's amusing to me that uh, in our first conversation, which was just like two weeks ago, I was very skeptical of this game because I had such a bad time every time I tried Divinity Originals Sin 2. And I don't blame that on multiplayer because I had issues with it single player as well. It was just too many choices and I didn't really care about any of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um. Just a lot of design choices that I didn't agree with. I had to travel uh, this weekend. Um, I crossed Washington again. And so, rather than doing it all in one day like I did last time, uh, because for the benefit of the listeners, we are all getting together again for Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. um, which will be passed by the time this airs. Yeah. But um,
1: Labor Day, a holiday in the U.S.
0: Right. Um, I think a lot of countries have similar holidays, but maybe yeah. slightly different things three or days. fall on different dates. Yeah, it's a it's a three day weekend in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and I'm flying back to Indiana so we can do game weekend at Trotsky's house. And so I'm back in Idaho so that I can leave uh, my dog. with oh, right. Yeah. Um, my sense. sister and then and then fly back. Um and so i had to cross washington again so i did it rather than doing it all in one day i split it up over saturday and sunday and it's when i did it all in one day it's like six six and a half hours which is not arduous but like the first two maybe hour and a half or two hours of that um is crossing the cascade mountains um by mount rainier and that yeah and that's just a lot of like up and back down and then once you get to the other side it's like you know ears popping a little bit from the pressure change Mm -hmm. and the temperature rises significantly when you get on the east side of the mountains wait you Um, you know what
1: you should have done is you should just gone under in the underdark instead of going over the mountains uh, that's what you should have done
0: my my cousin balin would would show us a fine welcome <laughs> sorry
1: real bad in, in, in there. every time you kept they, saying mountains i was because i'm on that part in the game and i'm like he should have
0: gone. They down called it a mine <laughs> a mine sorry
1: interrupt you there. so you're going through the mountains no,
0: you know you're good uh, uh and so i spent especially the first day's drive um i got on the game in the morning because i'm still like, my whole... I've talked about this before. My whole schedule is shifted
1: back. back oh, yeah, forward? Because you're it's, on the it's, it's, West it's, Coast time. It's three hours
0: earlier because I'm still working the same time of day. Yeah. And I normally go to bed at, like, 10 or 11. And I think both Friday and Saturday nights I was up till... I was up playing the game until 1 or 2. And then, you know, takes half an hour to wind down and go to bed after that at, at the very least. Yeah. Um, but then I still wake up at like six or seven, um, which is a little exhausting, but I spent most of the drive, especially the first day, like thinking about playing the game because I got on for about an hour and a half in the morning. I did the same thing Sunday too, but Saturday I got on and respect all my, uh, um, all my characters, my three chosen party members and myself, my main character, um, And so that got me like I like I did that and then played and did one combat and I'm like, wow, everything is so much better now with these tiny uh, little changes um, to these classes. Yeah. And I didn't you know, I followed guides. I'm not there's too too much to fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons to at least for me, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who's who's 20 and has all kinds of time and, you know, more whatever get into that get into that whole thing about like our brains as we age kind of stuff yeah. it, and i'm it's, like
1: it's funny you mention that because being the other way not that i'm young anyway or know a lot i haven't played but i did play fifth edition for a couple of years and every time i go into the characters and try to and work on making them i feel like it's very not restrictive but really pared down so it's an interesting to hear that from the other way right like oh there's a lot of choices and a lot of things to so use guides I go into it and often. Think, oh, there's they just pared down the feats list, or they've only pared down the choices you can use for spells, or type stuff. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective on the two the two differences of us here.
0: Sure, yeah, and I mean it's wh- whatever. It's just it's a lot. Like it, it's still even, a lot. It still gives you a lot. That's even in this game. even in this pared down version of it, it's like you know I we talked before. There's a fight where I'm like, boy, I wish I could do this fight without the person i'm attacking calling for a bunch of backup yeah and i'm like i don't have any kind of silence spell there is a silence but it's a wizard spell i don't have yeah. and but two characters in my party have a spell called hold person which yeah. keeps them from yelling for help now the the person i was attacking has high wisdom so i only had 25 percent chance to to succeed on that on that spell but yeah. uh i was like oh there's i just didn't know what it was called um
1: just a lot anyway. of ways to, to, a lot of ways to do those kind of things as as our buddy pete right. said i think most aptly we mentioned it last week on this topic was that the game he said he called it the game is wide it means it just mm-hmm. has so much that you can do in so many different ways and see it so many different things um in an example of your thing not causing alarm my thing, my way to handle that was go up there and know that they're going to call the alarm. And then right when combat started, my first goal was to like bash the alarms. Right. So there's just, and that worked and the way yours worked and there's silence worked and there's kill the other guys. There's just so many different ways in every situation. Right. And that's just one yeah. little way different. There's so many different ways. And it all is, I think, very satisfying is the most thing about it. It All the characters and abilities feel like, okay, I don't know how I would use this skill but i can certainly see that there's probably ways that other people might you know i'm glad it's in the game type thing right Mm um yeah just jump is a basic simple thing uh one of my get the yankee persons has like a thing called psionic jump and i was like Mm -hmm. jump is a jump why do they need psionic jump and then in combat i was like it was with the hag combat, by the way. And I'm like, I don't get all the way across there to get there. She keeps running away. And I'm like, oh, my psionic. I can make her super jump everywhere. And then she just jumps all the way across the board. I'm like, see? That's cool that something like that's in the game. It's not made. Like a lot of games, I think of things like Final Fantasy or whatever, where they put stuff in, mechanics in, so that you can use them in fights. Or they'll make, oh, you need to have poison against this character, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, The These This game so far just has, puts forth... An encounter, kind of like D D or whatever, and then people handle it the ways that they want. Hence the word "wide," right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I mean that's the way Fifth Edition is, or not even specific to Fifth Edition, but right. that's the way real Dungeons and Dragons is. Like I know when I was listening to the Adventure Zone, um, they did they did some encounter Griffin came up with where the whole like the big challenge of the situation was that they had, they found somebody like, I don't know, prisoner tied up on a table or something. I forget the details of it. And the, the, the thing Griffin, the DM he had planned was, um, going to be, you know, these kind of riddles where they're trying to figure out like whether they could trust him or, you know, all this back and forth. Completely forgetting that Clint, his dad, playing a cleric, had Zone of Truth, yeah, which makes all characters in the radius have to tell the truth. Right, it's like a it's wisdom save, Wonder probably,
1: uh, and like
0: the yeah. like the lasso, yeah. And he did that, and then the guy on the table had to tell him the truth. Griffin was like, "Ah, oh, damn it, I forgot that you had that." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and,
1: uh, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's very cool. Uh so we had talked about this last week so we won't talk too much more about it but uh I did want to um uh, tackle just for a little bit today about this game when it as it pertains to multiplayer to add something new to the mm. conversation. Uh sure. we that is something that I kind of was interested in figuring out um just because way back even in the, during the Baldur's Gate 1 kind of days. Well, I should even go further back than that back in the Gold Box PC days of early early PCs. Uh, when they had these role-playing games, um, they actually—it's very pixelated. Think, think old, around Atari days kind of games, right? And sure. you go through this dungeon, and with D and D stuff, and they had them online, and on, like America Online, and some of the very first kind of um, internet, you know, service providers and stuff actually had games that were like that, and then you could actually play. Other people around the world would play characters in your party, um, so it was a, like single-player role-playing games, and then putting them online. It was this whole amazing, mind-blowing ideas, but it all they always had some kind of issues. ever Ever worked out? Baldur's Gate, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of them just come in and say no, they're single-player games. Um, but Divinity had done the thing where like we are going to make it a priority to make it multi-capable for multiplayer and really put a lot of focus on that and they did larian studios the company Um, but Mm -hmm. you and i had discovered that it had its kind of flaws um but not not because they didn't try hard right um and sure so i was kind of interested to see how if they took that information i kind of like the studio they i watched a lot of their behind the scenes videos and their developer blogs and stuff and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're kind of really cool people and not just have a passion for, it, but they want to play the games that they're playing. Um, so I was interested on in how they could, if they would take what they had and, and improve upon that and find ways, you know? Um, so, but we had to try that out and getting people to do that, uh, this last weekend, it finally happened. We had enough friends with critical mass and I think spurred on by me constantly prodding, um, we had a lot of our friends, the Horalovich brothers and cousin, get online. I got to play with them. I got to play on that same night. I played with you and our buddy Trotsky and myself. And then mm-hmm. last night, you and I actually got to sit and play a game, or yesterday.
0: So, yeah, we, now we get an opportunity
1: to talk about it.
0: On Tuesday last week, we did, um, not really, but we sort of did virtual game night. Mm-hmm. Um that happens every other week and we didn't play many board games because we just had a couple people like um our buddy fox was out of town he's uh he was at disney with his family yep and so trotsky tried to get that going but we learned Mm -hmm. what did we learn later we we tried with you and that's where i learned that's when i learned that uh um the the oh i thought you said max like Mac, yeah,
1: oh um, no no, it was like yeah, M-A-C-S-S- yeah the Mac the knowledge. while the
0: game has a has a Mac client, uh, that Mac client is still in early access, mm-hmm. um, and the saves are not compatible, but the the game clients are not compatible between uh, Mac and PC yet. Um, they're supposed to go live with the Mac client in September, so hopefully that will be resolved. But that for me was the thing where I'm like okay I guess I got to go download it on my PC now and then once I did that I discovered the saves weren't compatible and I'm like well I guess I'm going to start over because I don't want I don't want to use one client for my solo game and a different client for my multiplayer games right. if we do that and I'm really glad I did because then I discovered how many things are different between the well And eventually the Mac client's going to be a live client anyway, and you'll have to start over because the saves aren't compatible. Mm. Like, there are are slight differences in the story. The character creator isn't as good in early access. um, All these other things. Um, But, yeah, we almost tried... Well, we did try you and I, I think, on Tuesday. And we were going to try with Trotsky, but he couldn't get his shadow he uses uh shadow for pc gaming because he doesn't have a pc um but he couldn't get that working he has it working now but when we finally did try it a couple nights ago but as of tuesday he still didn't so
1: yeah and and so that's our anyway, fir- that's yeah. our first part of our review i guess right is that finding out sure, that yeah, the yeah. clients aren't compatible um i do- also don't believe you can do things like it's not cross play from i think from playstation to pc um
0: yeah i don't and, know honestly, because i don't think the play the playstation version is not out
1: yet is that right it's uh, a good question um so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure i, I think i'd seen yeah. that they that they weren't maybe at launch is what i'd saw but i could be I could not them. so it, yeah you, you, it the, might be the, like the, 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 the long the, and short of it is that if you're going to play multiplayer platform. you want to make sure you're on the same kind of system which is is the first step. platform yeah um for so, now, anyway, couple, I
0: don't I – don't, I'm sure you can find online, but I don't know off the top of my head whether right. cross-play – I mean, between Mac and PC, I think we could have cross-played if the versions were the same.
1: Right, sure. Well, so we have um, – so the game is set up where you have the storyline of NPCs, what we would consider NPCs in the, in the tabletop game which are characters that have stories and the DM kind of runs them and such. And they they have, and that's kind of, they've got, there's the main story of the game that goes through and they're tied into it as well and cross your paths and join your party. Um, and in this game, they're not just NPCs. They actually are, you know, your party members, right? They fill fill it in type stuff. And if you're playing... Sometimes you'll play with the DM and it's just uh, you and a DM playing or you and another friend, so it's three-player and A DM will sometimes mm-hmm. fill it in with NPCs that will be in the party that the DM runs, right? That's kind of almost how this goes. Uh, they have stories and histories and big cinema scenes and whole types of stuff. Or you can make your own character or characters and play with them instead of the story characters. So when you're playing multiplayer, right. uh, like, say, you and I started, we decide we could either play one of those story characters and become those characters, or we can make our own custom characters and then go through the game and pick up these other NPCs and our team. And at any point, you can do that in the in,
0: in a normal single player game, too. You can play yes. one of the one of the uh, companion correctors, characters, correct. instead of instead of rolling your own.
1: Right. So so in, in multiplayer, what what everyone I've done with so far, they obviously want to make their own characters in multiplayer instead of playing one, but you don't have to. Uh, but the key is that your these characters that you're not using, they go back to a place called the camp. It's like your, your stronghold or your little camping site. When they're not with your, you, they're kind of there. Your,
0: your base, yeah.
1: Your base, right. That's a good thing. Um, so when you want to, let's say... I was playing with you and then our buddy Trotsky wants to come and play with us one night. He wants to hop in. He could make a character and then come in as a mercenary type person, or he could play, you know, just jump in and play one of these story characters. Um, So that's kind of an interesting way that they handle that. Uh, I think that that would be more common when people have played through the game, the whole game, and then they want to play through it again. So, maybe sure. I just log in cause I see you and Trotsky playing together and I'm like, I'll join in and I don't really mind where it is in the story or where it's going. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, what are, I'll, I'll ask you a couple of things. What, let's just talk about, um, well, first off, I want to say playing with different people vastly changes the experience of the game. And, and I would highly recommend like you play with people who play like you, um, because when someone sure. decides they're going to run off and go do crazy things and not wait for you or not do stuff, that could really bother you. Or if you want to not wait around on everybody else to to go on their inventory or look at stuff or talk about what items each p- person has, if you don't want to do that, then playing with somebody who does like that is just going to cause friction.
0: Um, sure. Well, it's just like... I mean, it's like D&D, right? You find, yeah. your, find your group. If you don't like if you don't like the play style of the players or the philosophy of the, the GM, the DM, um, you're maybe not going to have a good time or you kind of, you know, decide what you're, you know, you compromise, what you, you know, what you'll put up with, what you won't just like really any kind of social interaction. Right. Like, like I had the same, I had some of the same issues when I, played world of Warcraft right Where like I had one really good buddy and I wanted to play with him whatever he was doing but he had no interest in a lot of stuff that I wanted to do yeah the, you know he was rushing to the end game and I'm like there are still quests in this zone we haven't done but are, are we not okay
1: all right we'll <laughs> yeah. go to this
0: we'll go to this next place where now everything's hard to kill again like I was having a good time just wrecking these boars back in the you know whatever kind of thing yeah yeah um, yeah
1: yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's kind of my prologue to this um, because I have played, I, I mentioned, I think, three or four different groups of different makeups um, mm-hmm. and, and and not to float your boat, Dennis, but I think I had the most relaxing or understanding time when I played with you last night because I think we kind of were approaching the game very similarly um, in the sure. way we just kind of methodically deal with stuff. We actually listen to dialogue or make choices and, you know, handle things similar uh so that was that was something so so i'd like to ask you questions about how you feel and what you think based on that experience how's that sound is that all right sure okay so what what how was dealing with storyline stuff with more than just you there how did that how did that feel now granted i want to for our listeners you and i have both played through basically act one already so we kind of know hmm the general story, right? But how, how, did, did it bother you that, say, when I went off and decided to talk to somebody, and you weren't there? That you had to listen in on it, um, or was that fine? Did was it helpful because I could do other things, etc.? It's what, interesting.
0: It's interesting because, well, what I was going to say a second ago when you're talking about people running around and and looking over the inventory or whatever, we both played pretty chill. Like I'm not worried about who's getting what items because we're playing different classes we're not competing over the same items so like i'm i'm opening everything but anything that i you know think you maybe can although honestly none of the white items are any good but i'm like here i'll give this to you you can sort out what to do with it and i think you have more gold than me but if we saw something that i really wanted for my character i we would work it out like yeah I you just find. have it yeah. um, group loop and the couple times that you were like leveling up your character because we each took one npc you you took longer to level up than i did um partly because i had just gone through a respect with my characters mm-hmm. and so i was like all right i know what to do i want this and this the rogue doesn't have any choices so boom done and then you were still working on it, so I was like, "Well, I will wander around, look for any thing I can click on, just like I do in my single player game, yeah. and and just wait." Um, I because of the early access thing, I've played through the first. It took me about twelve hours the first time, and like six hours the second time because I skipped more of the dialogue cutscenes. Yeah, because I'd already seen them. Yeah. And so there's, there's that part of the game that I've seen like four times now, especially yeah. the prologue and the first half hour after the prologue that we did with Trotsky. Yeah. That's four times, and then in my single game, I eventually my solo game, I eventually got past that and was going to new stuff. But that, all of that stuff we were doing, um, in our two player game, and it's interesting to play the game with different classes like i've played elves every time but i did my main is a druid which i did again and from early access right. and then with trotsky i did a rogue and with you i did a wizard right. and i did high elf instead of wood elf but right. like you're still gonna have elf options like the the thing that gives you options um that was another exploit i saw on youtube was there's a uh like disguised self which mm. I've never used. I see. You can that. use disguise self to like turn yourself into halfling, and now you've got halfling options in your oh, um, in your dialogues. But I had, I mean, I knew that this was the case because of my druid. One of the first towns you get to is a druid town. I had a bunch of dialogue options for either being an elf or being a druid, or you can do checks, right? Like a wisdom check, a persuasion check, yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. It's just like. Just like Divinity was, just like the Fallout games, except in Baldur's Gate, you um, do the actual check with the dice. And and does Um, that
1: does that? It how does that make you feel when, let's say, when you're playing single player, you can know, oh, I want to talk with my high charisma guy or my wizard or my fighter to fight to talk with the fighter guys. How does it? How does that? Does that bother you, or is it okay? When you're playing multiplayer, I, when somebody else goes and talks to a person and you don't have that. Mm, how's that How's that um, work for you? It only
0: matters, I think I did something and failed at it. I rolled a one and I was like, okay, I need you to come talk to this guy. That I don't think I've ever had that happen to me in single player. Or if I did, I just loaded the save and tried it again. Right. Um, as our buddy Cogswell says, the most powerful spell in in Baldur's Gate. Save.
1: Yep, save. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and, the, and in the multiplayer, um, you you can do that, but it feels like there's other options, organic options.
0: Like yeah, saying, you, right? have to, you have to kind of agree to it. Um,
1: or I was having, for example, I was just having, I was like, I know, well, that's one thing that's kind of helped us out. One is that we know, right? Like I know that Auntie right. Ethel's example, like I, that's, I know kind of what she's going for there, what that character is. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. let you deal with that person, right? And then I saw another person that I know is more, because I'm playing a fighter, um, more aggressive character. Like, I didn't mind running up and talking to the guards type stuff, right? Because I am sure I would get along with that stuff. But also, since you're playing a wizard, those kind of things, and probably have a better charisma more intelligence than my character does, it was interesting. Like, I didn't have to yeah. make that decision. I just know, this is you. My... You talk to that person, right? Right. In In my
0: solo game... I pretty much always do dialogues with my character. Correct. Um, I think like if I had the Githyanki with me as I get to the Githyanki part of the story, I would maybe have her talk to them because, you know, maybe that will go better than them talking to me. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, I've only done that accidentally, right? Where like I'm sneaking with a starion and he triggers a combat and I'm like, well, I guess he's talking to him now. Um, because I always... Unless I'm just looting, I always lead with my main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that hasn't been a difference. The Probably the most interesting part was when we got past all the stuff we've done already and started doing things a little more uh, questionable.
1: Yeah. Uh, Both of us an, usually play like an, a good guy-ish single player. Yeah. Player. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much always am like... Well, you know, not necessarily what I would do, but my understanding of this character who is not that different from me yeah. um in terms of values and like I'm not gonna you know unless I know that i'm you know I've loaded a save and I know that the conversation is gonna turn to combat regardless, right then I'm like i'm I'm still not gonna go into combat and just say attack, like I'm gonna sneak around with my rogue and just shoot at her like why bother with the conversation at all yeah um um but anyway from doing some of that combat then we saw i mean not super different stuff like we did a combat encounter that i did in my solo game i just didn't didn't reach that location from the same path and with, right like with another l- goblin into it, which was literally it's like a tunnel or it's a passageway and yeah. i came to it from the other and from the entrance instead of the exit yeah um and i mean i have a feeling there will be more differences when we get to the goblin town of course um but yeah i mean that's the that's a thing that i haven't done because i only have one playthrough but it, yeah. i mean i technically have two but in my second playthrough i've made most of the same choices yeah um and it's interesting to see it's interesting to see when you do conversations multiple times like some of them are branches and some of them are more like braids i used this metaphor before i don't know if it if it holds up but like you can say different things and you'll eventually get to the same they're like well anyway let me let me, ha- you know, have a look at your eye and see yeah. so, what some, it is. And it you'll is like you'll who, get there regardless. Who your but,
1: party people approve of what you say or don't disapprove. Right, of
0: and like, and like, maybe when I talk to the to the uh, first druid, I'm not a druid, so I can't quote druid uh, scripture at her, <laughs> but I can, you know, use a really high intelligence arcana to understand kind of what she's doing and go um you know this will be fine you can you can do this like not you know get her to still let the tiefling girl go like instead of not going full evil right where i'm just gonna attack her partly because i'm a wizard and a rogue in a room full of like eight druids i'm like i'm not gonna pick a fight down here because they'll probably kill me um there's a difference between being evil and being stupid right
1: well, we, we, we had, um, I think, an advice I would give people, and just as you had mentioned earlier, when playing multiplayer or any kind of thing, socially multiplayer anyway, especially with this game, uh, communication. So I, I think one of the things mm-hmm. that made it more pleasurable for this ex- experience I had with you and I, as opposed to the other ones that I had, was that, you know, one, again, it helps. I'll repeatedly say it. It helps that we know some of the things. Um, I would say, okay, there's a fight coming up, and I would compl- intentionally avoid that area until I'm ready, or I'd sit outside of it until you were ready, right? Sure. Or you would do the same, and then it was like going into town, and we know we have to do X, Y, or Z, and there's these other kind of options in here to do, um, and we just communicated, right? Like you would say, I'm going to go down and talk to this person, and then if I want to be there for that, I would go down there; otherwise, I can be in selling and doing inventory things or whatever um but it was just communication we so we know what we're doing and i i know even if we get into parts that maybe we hadn't done together it's still talking about it like i'm not going to run through the door even though there's a door in front of me to go until i know your character's there and i say hey uh should we go through the door right Mm -hmm. as opposed to a single player game you just go through it and you make your own decisions and whatever
0: you you quick save you go through it right and if if the room explodes in a fireball, you load your save.
1: <laughs> right. It's just it's just some re- respect for that you're playing with someone else. Um, and it, and if it works both ways, that the other person also does that, right? That not they're not going to run off and start combat and say, oh, sorry, I really wanted to kill this guy, and I don't care what you think type stuff, right? Um, hmm. and, or we've even had, a, oh, this, this conversation is not going well and kind of prepared, prepared ourselves to, that we may, you know, that. I think it's just communication. has been my, my favorite multiplayer type stuff. So, yeah, we've played through the beginning kind of stuff area and made a couple different choices. Um, I like it. Um, I think that hop in and hop out is a neat thing that does work. How did you feel about the difference between combat with ch- you played two characters and I played two characters as opposed to having all four choices? In some games, that can be a restriction because it's made that one group – is kind of one character. Um, How did you feel combat felt only controlling half the party? And then the other, like me having to do making choices without you.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't care about that except that like I had to wait. Right. Where, Mm -hmm. when I, when I'm playing solo, like I'm, I have to do stuff all the time. I'm like, okay, I, this, now I'm going to have her come down here and then she'll do that. And like, the most I have to wait for is enemy turns that sometimes lag out and I'm like, Okay, come on, are they gonna what are they gonna do? Yeah. Um but in in multiplayer I'm like, Okay, not my turn. I'll just wait. Nothing yeah. for me to do. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly fortunate.
1: I think that most of my so far the characters that I had are, are very melee focused. Um, so they were sure. easy to easy to go. Um, I, I think if it was the other way around it might be problems. But so far it's not too bad, right? You know, that way.
0: Uh, yeah so cool. i don't i don't get too i mean maybe sometimes i do depends on the character I, i'll get to the like okay i don't have any actions but can i do anything can
1: i mm-hmm. throw
0: something can i
1: you know whatever yeah yeah um so and now and we i think that's enough for us for Baldur's gate today because we spent a lot of time on it but sure uh i, I the it can go the other way too. And that your the other parties that I played with been much more chaotic and that, you know, in one situation, somebody decided that they wanted to play a cat. They wanted to transform themselves into a cat and walk around as a cat in combat and do everything else, which is funny. But if that bothers you, like it does me, because um, you know, then <laughs> now you're basically down a person while they're just meowing at people and having a fun time. Um, but the thing is, is that that's also a funny thing that also happens in D&D that people have memories about. And they'll say that that's the right. thing that you don't remember the expertly tactile combat that you had, but you'll remember the person that was a cat the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, that's not a, I don't want to disparage that, but it can be frustrating in the moment if that's not something that, the experience that you want to do or that you are happy with unless somehow you can clear your mind which i was doing that night and just being like it's fine just let it all roll off off your you know your back type stuff
0: um sure and, and just yeah have, i mean i mean it's like i said before just you you have to decide like what you're not i mean that's the thing trotsky said when we were doing that because in the one time i played to tried to play multiplayer in divinity 2 um it was the three Herolovich brothers and you and I. And for one thing, a five person party is too many. Mm-hmm. And then it was just I mean, it was the combat thing, right? Of like, okay, it's not my turn, there's nothing for me to do, except instead of one person to wait for, I had four people to wait for. Right. And then a couple of you died and just sat and weren't doing anything. I was like, this is taking ages. Just ages yeah, it's and ages. ages. Like all the things that I complain about um, people getting analysis paralysis in board games sometimes um, just like dialed up to 11. And then we got out of combat and people were just running around. Like it's not, I don't want to disparage the way anybody likes to play, but I know that um, the Rolovich brothers play a lot of games together, right? Mm-hmm. They're brothers. They grew up together. And right. so I think that they, um, they know each other and they expect and i think there's less communication and i i think they've gotten better over the years especially during covid when a lot of us were playing online games um who wouldn't normally be yeah um but i think if it's if it's mostly just the three of them like they do what they do and they're very entertained by chaos and randomness and you know we'll focus when they need to but if they don't need to we'll just do random stuff because it's fun and it's funny and there's nothing wrong with that yeah um it's just maybe not quite what I would do. And if you don't know, if you don't know that, you don't know to expect that. You're like, why are you? you could why are you still in cat form? Like, you have two hit points. What? What are you doing? Right. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah.
1: It, it, and right. And that's that's the same thing that you said earlier. It's the same thing as if you played a tabletop role playing game with real people. I played right. with multiple people. Some people play in a cat form the whole time, where they all want to be cats right? That's what's all be cats and go in combat. And then they just have a, a, a wonderful time with it. When I sit in that group, and I just lose my mind. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. then some people come and play the game with me and then my group, and they just have no fun at all because that's not any kind of fun to them and when it's fun to us. So yeah, it's just, this is very similar and that's a testament to Larian studios and to their translation of the D and D game. I think pretty faithful, not just from the mechanics and, um, You know, uh, stats or what it rule set. Uh, It's also from the way that their story is crafted, the way their combat is, the the smoothness of it. Um, We are still playing two characters each, and I don't, and we just mentioned that there is some weight in between, but nowhere near what Divinity 2 was, which to me speaks that they did take, as I said at the very beginning, they did take the lessons from Divinity and improve it and tweak it. And to make it yeah the much better the
0: game. the combat seems much more streamlined. Like it's yeah. still it has so many of the same things. So it's it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint what's different about it. But it it just is more fun than it, it was. It's I, very fun. I
1: don't I don't know precisely why, but. Um, yeah, it's it's very fun. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying. We're both enjoying it. I, I, we'll continue to talk talk about it, you know hopefully not thirty minutes e- each week, but we'll. I know it's something that dominates our time. Unlike other games we've played in the past, um, I the thing that it's the most satisfying to me is that i am a, a easily a week are we a week into playing this or two weeks two weeks into playing this game i am Maybe two weeks and you
0: started before
1: i did right but. and and i feel still today excited to play it and it's and i'm excited to play it through chapter the first act again because the game itself is just fun and it's not mm-hmm. it's not like the way like say diablo is fun from just like the grinding perspective or the looting or the you know the gameplay loop is what they call it, right. It's actually the game mm-hmm. itself is fun to play. The people are fun in, in there. The you know character creator is good. The, the right amount of options, but not too much options. The graphics, even on lower end systems, are great when you can actually see the freckles that you put on your character <laughs> close up kind of type of stuff. Even on low end machines, um, and and runs pretty well. So really good. Points to Larian Studios, I think, and we said that last week, and I, I think we both agree, and everybody on TikTok agrees with clearly. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a uh, it's good. Okay, so moving on. Uh, we have been putting off um, Strange New Worlds season ender. Um, so, so let's not
0: actively putting it off, just knowing that by the time we talk about. Other more topical things, uh, we don't have enough time because every time we talk about Star Trek, our the time we think we're going to spend on the topic doubles. All right. Um, so, and we're like, that being okay, said, we Dennis,
1: we still have to get in our other reviewing of Pride and Prejudice this week. So, yes, listeners, if you listen to last week's, we watched Pride and Prejudice and we watched a different one this week. So, we'll talk about it as well.
0: I mean, the good news is the 05 Pride and Prejudice is like a fifth the length. Yeah. Of the ninety-five version, so right. we should be able to cover it in like seven or eight minutes. I think that <laughs> sure, math, sure the formula.
1: Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, okay, okay. So, Strange New Worlds, yeah. we where we come in, and I think we had I had looked back before we had talked up to the, we had not covered the episode where about Mbanga and Chapel with the war, kind of the war stories one. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's last three yeah. episodes, um, maybe.
0: War. Well, the, sure the, the war one the war one happened after the crossover episode.
1: Right. right. So we had talked about the so, crossover, I believe.
0: So yeah, the last three. It was the 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 war episode, the musical episode, and then the season finale. Yeah. Correct.
1: Okay. So we can kind of talk of those in one big we don't necessarily need to go to by each one, but um I guess maybe we do. I guess we can hit the war story pretty quick. I thought it was fun, it was interesting. <laughs> Um, and I love the actor that plays in Bang. Let me
0: let me let me hit the bell before oh, you Sure. Un- unless guy. unless you want to try and do no spoilers.
1: Uh I'm not gonna <laughs> spoiler anything for the war one at least, but I don't know if you will.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think I will either. That yeah. um
1: I was just gonna say episode... I thought the characters were, were really good. And,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you you get a a, a lot a little more development on Mbenga and um chapel and chapel and and erica
1: a little bit yeah the, the, yeah yeah um the, their time i mean with she had Lord. her own
0: episode a few earlier in the season right
1: because this has
0: been kind of not entirely but a lot of character-centric episodes this um, season yeah, this season.
1: I, I really I really liked I said I like the actor that plays M'benga. Benga. Uh, he's pretty great, um, has mm-hmm. a lot of emotion to him, but calm. I, I like how he play, portrays this character. Um, so him dealing with the it's kind of like talk, going back in history at the war and then how a Klingon comes on board, uh, you know, an ambassador now. And how he deals with that and not just him other people do too chapel does right and she has to deal with it and with spock around and such um was was well done well played it's interesting from the standpoint of pike because pike doesn't seem to have any of those war problems he's very kind of accepting of how things are and it's maybe that's you can chalk it up to what makes him a good leader but i almost kind of Side asked myself, why isn't Pike have any war stories or PTSD war things? Like, what was he during the Klingon War?
0: I think they established at some point that the Enterprise was not there. Okay. They, it would, I don't, I don't remember what they were doing, but they were somewhere too far away to be involved until things were over or something. So I, I don't think he was there because the, the other characters like they're not on the enterprise during the Klingon war. Right. They're on that, at that medical station on a, on a planet. Somewhere.
1: Correct. Um, so yeah, that, that it, some of the characters felt like that they didn't experience the Klingon war and then other people's ha- people have, which is, which is interesting because the Klingon war was supposed to be so massive, devastating the way that they, they treat it, especially this season is this bloody devastating war that people were massacred in no small Hmm. thing. Right. And the the Federation was heavily involved with. So everyone in Starfleet would, it's like if you're part of the government of the U S or Japan or Germany or Britain during world war two, you're not not involved. Right. It's what everything that's going on is the war. But, but then you have, Many parts of the crew that don't seem to like ever talk about the war. They're not affected by the war. They don't seem like they're affected by the war. But then you have like three or four that very much are. Now I know the yeah. dialogue said things like peach, like Una would say people on the ship. She was referring to more than just that, but we only got to see, a, mm. I guess a couple, but it was interesting for me. I guess my point was that several, at least half the cast didn't seem to have any problems. Spock didn't. And, and you know, type stuff uh yeah
0: i think i think a lot of them weren't there Uhura like just joined at the beginning of the season and there's some kind of time jump right or time time skip because um you know at the beginning of the series uh pike is hiding out in montana or something right um with a beard so time has
1: passed yeah right they did the the, the, wherever that lines
0: up some of it, it lines up with Discovery, right? So Right. The, mo- um, the
1: modern Star Trek really, I feel, glanced over the Klingon War. They had it in Discovery, and then they skipped kind of through it a little bit, and then they just time-jumped between, because Discovery literally time-jumped away and didn't right. deal with the war. They dealt with this other, the Red Angel thing for a whole season. Didn't deal with the war. And then when they took off to the future, we just skipped the rest of the war. It's kind of. It was a weird thing that they would set Star Trek. They would re- reboot start, not reboot, but restart the Star Trek universe during the Klingon War time, and then not give us a lot of Klingon War stuff. But yeah, this, epi- this I, episode did a little bit of that. Is I, was
0: I I just I just kind of because because a lot of that is is sort of new canon. I kind of just glossed over it. I'm sure that there's some explanation somewhere because it ties in with. I think that stuff is like the the war is like season 1 of discovery, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's, I don't know. it that's when I don't it starts, remember. like burn Burnham basically starts the war. Right? right. Um and yeah, I I guess I was going with that is that this episode gives us some of that dark look and gravity to what the Klingon war was. There's sure. a long way to get sure. to that point. Um and, and we see it in our characters. And I thought, and my, my review of that is that I think they did a great job of it. I think each one of them did. Obviously, the actor Furum is powerful and strong and like in his performances, and that just echoed through this story and did a good job. So thumbs up on that one. Um, do you have anything more to add on that episode? I don't think so, no. Yeah, it was good, though, but yeah. The, the real thing comes in the episode before that which was the crossover and then the next one which is uh Subspace Rhapsody. You want to start on this?
0: Sure. Um we watched this at Gen Con. Um if if you're not following along with Strange New Worlds or season 2 of Strange New Worlds, this is a musical episode. Uh
1: like like a stage theater musical, Dennis?
0: Well, very much, ex- except except with a bunch of in-universe nonsense to justify it. Um,
1: right. Like it's not just wh- it's not just not their sudden seeing. They actually have reasons for it, right? Like they say that there's yeah. reasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, in in uh, I don't know, in in what feels like a, a Star Trek tradition to like, hey, we want to do this thing. All right, how can we? How can we justify that? Like when we were doing Klingons and Dragons, uh, we played in person one time and we did a time loop uh, story where you all got that. stuck doing doing the same things every day, and or not every day, but you the day would start over and you'd go through the same things, and you're trying to trying to stop it, trying to figure out what's happening. Well, the the episode because campaigns in in star trek adventures are called episodes or not campaigns but whatever they're called episodes because mm-hmm. it's tv formatted uh the episode starts with some scientists have a new module for ship scanners that can detect chronotons, right which are the made up uh one of the made up particles in the star trek universe that that are related to time right the idea being if we modify these scanners, we can look into the past of of a planet and see what the civilization was like. You know, if it's all ruins and and nuclear winter, like we could scan. I have to say we the ship can scan it and see, like, oh, they had these kind of buildings and this kind of technology, and here's some of the the political uh, things, whatever. You know, obvious right. advantages to that. Um. And then, of course, something goes wrong with that scanning machine and it puts the ship in a time loop where it's going through the same few hours over and over. Um, and this was like that, right? They found an anomaly and they think they can send messages through it faster than current subspace, because um, that's the way communication, long-range communication works in Star Trek, is it goes through subspace just like ships going through warp. So it goes faster... Than light speed communication, like we've seen in, um, what space force and Avenue five, yeah. right? Like the, the further a ship gets from earth in space, the longer it takes for communication, to go back and forth because radio waves only travel so fast. The fastest they could go is the speed of light. And we know, you know, however long it takes light from the sun to get to earth. Um, Kind of stuff and uh they send music through it like it doesn't work and so <laughs> uh uh Pella the um I forget the actress's name uh says Pella Pelia, Pelia. yeah I don't know between this and Baldur's Gate like I've got all these weird <laughs> names, names. I, was, I was I was trying to we were saying which characters we had. I was trying to say Carlac, and I said Cargath, and I'm like, Cargath isn't right. That's from World of Warcraft. What is it? <laughs> um, they send music into it, and then the like waves of distortion, interference, whatever ripple out, and characters on the ship start bursting into song. Right. Um, it's it's Star Trek nonsense to justify. Them having a musical episode, I, and I, I will
1: say I appreciate that though. I know some and people. I'm, I'm completely but...
0: okay with that. Like it sounds right. like I'm disparaging it, but that's that's exactly what you do. Like there are several people in this cast um, that are excellent singers, yeah. and it's just a fun. I mean, I think I said this after the crossover episode. Uh, season two of Discovery had a lot of heavy stories because it did these character centric episodes um you know where you dig into somebody's past or somebody travels somebody time travels and falls in love and it has to be you know it's the it's the the city on the edge of forever arc where somebody falls in love and doesn't at the end of the episode it's obviously not going to work out because time travel yeah um or you know you get the war episode that was right before this that's just kind of heavy and sometimes a little bit grim um, because of course the series uh, is like living in this liminal space between um, what's happening now and everybody, not everybody, but several characters, including Pike himself, knowing that Pike is going to be near mortally injured at some point in the future. He's going to become, you know, near, near, vegetative whatever the word is for that yeah um uh, there's a uh, vegetative is absolutely not the right word for that and i apologize yeah but i don't know i can't i don't know the right yeah. uh, uh word off the top of my head um and so you have this kind of a little bit of fatalism like happening there So you know so pike is is, is living how he is but he knows that he has this future waiting for him and so to have A break in in all of that craziness which again is a thing that's much easier to do with episodic storytelling um because you don't have like you know oh the whole if this were discovery the whole season would be about people dealing with the klingon war or something you know maybe happening with the gorn or something and if you took a break to have a musical episode people like what what about the Gorn story? Like you, <laughs> yeah, you guys yeah. are just screwing around when, when you've got this war hanging over you or whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. I, I, I really, I enjoyed the in universe uh, way they handled it. And and the reason I liked it so much was because, you know, in musicals, they just start bringing out, breaking out in song and it's just, okay, this is how this is, right? This one, yep. they were very all the time aware that they're not supposed to be singing. And, (laughs) and that was worked into the songs. And I absolutely adore that. Like, I really, really loved, you know, Pike is talking to his girlfriend up on the, on the view screen and they're just start spouting their, their problems out. And then they just kind of shake out of it and say, why am I, why am I singing this? Or when she starts singing, like, why am I, I just can't stop rhyming or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. They're all very aware of it. And some of my favorite shots of the acting scenes or the writing, whatever, has to do with the fact that they are aware of why this is happening. Meaning that they, I think Una, number one, says in, in musicals, they always break out into song when words can't express enough what needs to be said. Right. And that's what... The the guideline was for this episode was that any something needed to be said and was emotional, they they were going to sing it. And I absolutely, like I said, just adored that many times and multiple times characters were aware that any time on being the chief amongst them, that I'm going to break out in song and it's going to come out, whatever my emotion is. So I kind of have to address it. Right. And she did with mm-hmm. the whole Kirk thing. Yeah and and i and i love that as well they were aware that this musical is happening and that it's going to be part of them um another my favorite scene in the whole thing is when spock starts singing and ohura recognizes it right she knows he's going mm-hmm. into going through this emotional thing he knows it and he's like oh it's starting and she gives him a look just a slight little look like let it happen right and mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the end with the big finale, they know that they have to have this thing, so they're all on board. Spock is monitoring the sound waves as they're all singing, and then he realizes they have to go bigger, so he runs to the front and joins them in their dance. <laughs> like, they're very aware of the musical thing that they're doing, which I love. And I wish that more musicals actually did that, instead of just, you know, assuming now it's a song. You know, it's a it's a Disney show, so we're going to start breaking out in song type thing. Like, I like the awareness of what they're doing sure well
0: i mean i mean something you know i assume this has happened before right it was famous for a while that buffy buffy did a musical episode right that was a big okay that was a big deal i'm pretty sure um sitcoms have done stuff like this as gimmicks but something strange new worlds can do that's much more difficult for a normal stage musical to do is build up all this all this context right like this is 1 hour in the 16 hours well this wasn't the last one so so 15 hours at the time but 1 hour out of 15 hours of content the other 14 of those hours we got to know these characters right like yeah, yeah. we and 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 if i were as going to as musicals can only
1: do the way that they do
0: it <laughs> right if if I were going to level any criticism at this episode, aside from the fact that, according to Gene Roddenberry, there are no zippers in the future, so they talk about <laughs> zippers all the time in this episode. Well, it's better Except, than Lucas's, like, is
1: what they don't have in the future.
0: One one of the first, uh, not one of the first, but one of the earliest episodes of Next Generation when they have the, the stuff that makes them go crazy, uh, Naked Now, Naked Time, mm-hmm. yeah. one of them, the... One of those is the original series episode and the other is Next Generation, but that's basically the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like, Dr. Crusher tries to seduce Picard and one of them, like, unzips the un- uniform a little bit and they're like, uh, right. they're not supposed to have zippers in the future. Because um, <laughs> they'll do, like, they'll just push the cloth against the other cloth and it's sticking, I don't know, with magnets or yeah. gravitons or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, is it a lot of the songs, so if I was going to level any... Criticisms where i started um a lot of the songs don't have a lot of lyrics that just kind of say the same thing yeah over and over which happens in a lot of songs especially in musicals i don't have a problem with that except we don't need you know i said the show is episodic which means the story it's not a big ongoing story but It's 2023, so we still kind of assume that anybody watching this has seen the other episodes. We did have two friends with us at Gen Con who hadn't. And so, you know, those of us just leaned over and mansplained whenever necessary. But Mm -hmm. we don't need Laon's Song to explain her emotional distress over what happened to her with the time travel, right? Because we had a whole hour of that story. And part of the the um, Uhura episode when Jim Kirk comes back, right, where she talks to mm-hmm. him and she knows the past and he doesn't. Um, or she you know, she knows he does whatever. I don't want to get into too many details with that. And so when she goes to her quarters and starts singing that song and pulls the watch out of the locked drawer, we already know all that context. And so the the song can just be her uh, you know like emotional state you know reflecting on those events and those emotions and her emotions now with him being there again and and all that she's warring with we already know from a whole hour's where like nobody would sit through I mean, 15 hours is an exaggeration. Say there are seven episodes of just of this season before this. Nobody is going to sit through seven hours of play to watch one hour of musical, sure. right? In a In a theater. Yeah. But, but a show like this can do that.
1: So, something I, I did enjoy was this, because of the musical thing and because of the musical law that they had kind of written into the show or rules, sure. uh, they were able to, something that bothers me about a lot of shows or series is, is how people just aren't open with their, their feelings. Um, right. And, and sometimes it's just like a drug out type of stuff. Oh my God. How will they, won't they, you and I have talked about that kind of stuff where, or, or the, it, is he going to address his war problems or his daughter or whatever it might be? All that just drags out for so long. This was a, an episode that we could come together and say, okay, everybody's got emotions and they can't hide them. And we're all going to be out here and do it. Um so going forward past that it's all kind of out on the table right which was very cleansing to me right hmm. um and um i mean it wasn't all positive obviously spoiler things with chapel and spock don't always didn't necessarily go as as someone might might hope um but it's still real emotions between those characters expressed in song and in the openness of it so right that that was good. Right. Um, are are they going to, you know, in a relationship in real life, are you going to finally talk about something? Well, I don't know. I don't, I want to avoid it. Most people want to avoid the hard talks. Right. And they do these in these shows as well. But when a musical episode, they can't avoid it because that's, that's what this rule is. Um, mm-hmm. And, and not even mentioned to move on from that. The songs are fantastic. And I know they're auto tuned and stuff, but still really <laughs> good. Right. Really good. Really good writing and a good just a fantastic score I wonder if I I haven't looked into it I wonder if it's multiple you know um, music music, composers I don't know if it was a team or one person or something Uh, but whatever it's very Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber and you know Gershwin and some people influences from each thing Um, I mentioned the Spock thing that had Phantom of the Opera tones to it Um, Symphony of the Night type stuff and I just thought just it's hard to do a musical anyway. It's you know, it's hard to sure. make something that's catchy. And then you have to the script called for a big finale that had emotions and it totally did, right? With the music yeah. and the and the stuff. And it ended on a big stage type thing on the front of the enterprise, and you're like, it worked. And it explodes at the end, right? You're like, What how does it end with and then obviously you have the Klingon rap, which was just kind yeah. of like spoilers spoilers um
0: i yeah i had to i was somewhere with poor internet and it took a long time for the season finale to uh cash download on my Mm -hmm. where i was and i was like well i'm gonna watch that musical episode again (laughs) i've watched i've watched that one twice and i've watched the crossover twice which is very like i picked the two most fun episodes to watch twice but i'm not a I'm not a big rewatcher like I've I've rewatched a couple episodes from season one, but I just it's always hard for me to do that when I have, you know, a bunch of shows I'm behind. Of course, course. which is silly. Like, why would I, you know, watch this when I could watch something, you know, that I know because I'll I'll watch old stuff or, you know, rewatched, you know, Deadwood. Yeah, or or The well, Office, and, or and, and
1: fans you know. of the show know that that I'm the opposite way, right? Like I, I I have watched the the musical episode no less than four times already, and, <laughs> and I mean, I, and I, I think I'm probably just saying that so that I sound um, not so nerdy because I think I probably watched it more, um, and and watching it is a loose thing. It's on it's on the other monitor when I'm actually working, working, right? So it's not I'm intently Ooh, putting right. this on and focusing my attention on it. But I I will play those often or when I'm doing a board game. I have it on that stuff. So I, that, mm. I don't know if that's considered watching it, but it's, you know, it's in my, my thing. Sure, um, sure. and, and I have the, the, you know, listen to it on Spotify all the time and have it on the car all the time. So it's, um, mm. it's, I, I really love it that much. Okay. So that's my favorite. I'd mentioned it's, it's in my top five Star Trek episodes of all time. Um, that's easy to say because I also like musicals in general. Um, it's so such sure. an easy sell. Uh, now we go to the finale. Uh, go ahead and ring the spoiler bell for this one. Cause I don't even know if I can not say things about it. Okay. I'm going to hit the bell. We are going to talk about
0: the season finale of season two of Star Trek strange new worlds. So if you've not seen it and don't want to be
1: spoiled on the plot, uh, uh, skip ahead. So I thought that this whole season was going to be Gorn centric, which good on them for they stick with episodic content but they, they yeah, still have a, a lot a normal, of threads. A
0: normal show would have done that, but yeah. not this one.
1: Yeah. So this one, right, did not do that. So it did a, a first kind of had Gorn. The last has Gorn. So this is big Gorn stuff. And um, we get we get Scotty. That's probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm mixed on this one because I like uh, Pike and his relationship, as imperfect as it is. Yeah. Um, I like both of those characters. I like their interactions and just the strong feeling that they're going to kill her off because that was kind of, you know, she's impregnated or whatever with the, with the Gorn stuff. It makes me sad. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that. They didn't, they didn't kill her off because the season was a cliffhanger the se- end, but, right. um, yeah, it's it's good episode. There was not a bad episode of the season, so I'm not saying it's bad. There's I have nothing to say bad about it. I'm just nervous about what they're going to do with it. Um, I didn't like that they Mary sued Chapel. It was too obvious right off the bat. They're not going to kill her off stage. There was there was no stakes there. I will well, I will give them bad stuff about that.
0: I mean, she, I don't is Mary, I don't think Mary Sue is the right word for that. But the, oh, yeah. that. That whole what's thing the was thing annoying... for like
1: you can't plot armor. That's what I'm saying. Plot
0: armor, or I yeah, mean,
1: you can't die. She's not going to die, right?
0: That's I think that's why people don't like doing prequels, right? That that was part of the problem. Well, the real problem was bad writing, but part of the problem with the Obi Wan Kenobi show, like yeah. you already like, it's not a guarantee, right? Because we knew how Rogue One was going to end, yeah. and you know that was still good. I mean, same thing with Andor, um, right. but we know. Depending on what timeline we're in, uh, or you know what time frame we're in, the, this series has not deviated enough from canon that we don't think Kirk, Spock, Uhura, Pike, Scotty. Nurse Chapel, um, um, who am I forgetting? Scotty. I mean, now they introduce Scotty. Like all of those characters have to survive, right? So, and, like, and you can it, put them in, in extreme peril. I think Mbenga is in one of the early uh, original
1: series episodes. Yeah, he's an original character. So they they can't... There's no... There's just... It's very hollow when they try to do the, oh, they've died. And so maybe that was why I didn't have a lot of thoughts on this one was because I just side-eyed a lot of it. That's like the first half when they're all panicking about Chapel dying.
0: Like, oh, no. I mean, you know, shows do that, right? Yeah. Like... Um, you know, in the old, in all the old shows, you know, you pretty much, I mean, maybe Next Generation raised the stakes slightly when they killed off Tasha Yar. Right? Yeah. So like, sometimes characters do die, but it's a big, it's a big deal. Like yeah. you knew, you knew probably Picard was never going to die. Yeah. Right? And so every time his life is in danger, you're just like, oh, how is he going to find his way out of this one? But, You're right that this this season finale spent a lot of time with characters thinking Chapel was dead and I'm like, Well okay, she's obviously not dead. Like that's not even a thing.
1: It got a little grown with it even worse when oh, she's the only survivor. She's the
0: only survivor. All
1: right. Yeah, and she's just somehow is. And then who's the only one person who can come save her? Okay, Spock. Spock. All right, fine. Right, of all the people
0: yeah, in the original series, when when Spock was the only non-human on the ship, and I think we see other aliens in the background in ten, not ten four, whatever they call the bar on the yeah right. Pike's Enterprise, because um, yeah. they're not like like uh, Hammer is gone, but I don't think any of the rest of the main cast are not human. Well, except for the engineer, hell yeah, 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 but. But it's, it's canon from the original series that Vulcans are physically stronger than humans. Sure. Right. So, so you're like, okay, yeah. Since, I mean, this how many times that's, that's, uh, 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 Star Trek two. When Spock goes in to do the thing with the warp core and dies, like he's the spoiler only one f- <laughs> spoiler for that, like 40 year old movie. <laughs> I am now and will always be your friend, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. the line is. Right. Um,
1: but Spock going over the ship. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. You can justify that, but this is, this is real.
1: It was, cheesy. it was real. And, and that's what, that's kind of my feeling on this last episode. It was good. Well done. Well acted, you know, uh, well shot, well directed, but the, the plot itself was just uh, fine. Right. <laughs> Not, not saying it's bad because like I said there's no bad episodes here so far it was just it didn't really stretch and I think you might have even said it a couple of times on a couple of things the show is built up and so much goodwill that they've got enough in the bank that they can do some normal or a little grown worthy things and it's it's fine because everything else is so wonderful right right and, and I right think this like is one of those things like
0: I I mean I would have watched star trek discovery or picard do a musical episode but i i probably wouldn't have liked it oh or i uh, would have
1: you you have one coming your way in a minute dennis after this thing i the, a discovery did oh, a, a thing and you're okay. not gonna like it <laughs> sweet <laughs> yeah
0: um I, I i do enjoy not liking things
1: well we already have something that we are not a big fan of discoveries it is and then there. I'm just. I'm excited to say. It. I'm just going to send it to you. We will see. I, people who are there can go do a search for Star Trek Rent parody, and you'll find it. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so anyway, yes, uh, that was kind of my synopsis on this one. Um, you know, I I did like that they're pulling the Gorn fight in, although I don't know if there's a big Gorn war in Star Trek canon. I feel like uh, it
0: can't be. I mean, again, that's me like. How close are they gonna stick to the Canon? The Gorn were introduced in the original series, and none of Kirk's Enterprise knew what they were, or at least Kirk didn't know what he was. Maybe right. they'd heard of them but like so I don't think it can be too widespread. It's the same thing of like knowing what Romulans look like like you can You can bend Canon a little bit, but you're like that's how Romulans were introduced. Right? is like they saw him and they had never seen him before, and they're like, these guys look like Vulcans. What the heck?
1: Yeah. Um, um, one, one other but, thing that kind uh, of just, but there's a lot of bad things, little, little things in here that kind of nitpick me here. Uh, again, corrected by the great acting, directing, and other st- and characters. But there's this imaginary line of where people control things in the, you know, who's Gorn space versus Federation space. And oh, right. how is it that a planet just stays stationary in space and doesn't rotate its sun or move? Does does the universe, Gorn space, rotate with that planet? I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like they couldn't I cross think the line into the, the planet's thing because it's in Gorn space right on the other side of the where they're at. Like,
0: oh yeah. yeah it's it's really close like in reality i mean i don't
1: but planets don't move know. in a rotate around a sun in,
0: in an orbit right like i would i would say it's by system right like is the system in on this line or on the other line but they were like the planet was it it might be like a war like that is their territory And the moon is not right. Like they claimed that you you would think, but they showed
1: on the screen, the line, they they did a line through Mm -hmm. space and that we're on the enterprise on this side and the Gorns on the other side. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's (laughs) not great writing. Yeah. I was like, okay. All right. So that was this episode. A lot of it felt like not so great writing when you even just kind of look at it sideways. Um, But I, I, they earned so much goodwill that it was fine. But I, I will say that it, it wasn't um, spectacular or and hugely memorable. That I'm going to go back and say, like, you know, besides the introduction of Scotty, which my own my own opinion on the actor Scotty was that he was fine. I don't think he was anything mm-hmm. spectacular. He's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's nothing great. They're giving him a history with Pelia. Okay, fine. Same thing. Um, sure, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see. They they have a couple of these things where they're they kind of are shoehorning the old cast or the old characters into the this Enterprise. Um, like Scotty's going to end up on the Enterprise because randomly he was on a thing and escaped. Why would he automatically get promoted to the flagship that everybody wants to be engineering? Right. I mean, or, that's what that's what JJ did. So right, exactly. And I then don't, I don't think he did that movie, but you yeah, know Kirk, Kirk. Same thing. Kirk's on the Farragut, but he's always on this star on the star, on the Enterprise, right? <laughs> I mean,
0: he's been on the Enterprise twice in out of eight episodes, but sure. Well,
1: and then Laan also intercept him on the Enterprise in the future or something. It's like, it's like in, they, in they're the kind past. of always trying to have them on the show, but not on on the Enterprise yet type stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: I I hope that they don't do too much of that because as we talked about before, the plot armor. Exactly. Yes. It takes some of the stakes out of the writing.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I love the characters as much as anybody else does. And I've been on the record saying that this is my favorite Spock of all time. So I'm, I like that they have them on there, but as soon as you introduce another one into there, then it comes with a whole bunch of baggage. Then you're all, as soon as Kirk comes on, it's all the Star Trek people online can talk about. It's like, His comparison to all these different person, how his mannerisms is, and how does he treat women? How's his interaction Mm. compared to Shatner's? I'm like, oh, my God, I just don't want to deal with that, right? Like, I want to enjoy (laughs) a character for a character and not this kind of stuff. And as they introduce new characters, it's just going to make it worse. So, uh, I want them, but I don't need them right now. You know, I'm enjoying the cast. Let's, Let's stay with that. The, oh. the cast we deserve
0: but not the one we need how does that line go whatever right uh, uh okay yeah, so i don't we, we do I don't need need have a lot to add on that but something. we we need to yeah. we need to move on yeah
1: yeah uh okay so let's do this week's uh version of pride and prejudice
0: all right this week we watched the film the 2005 five Film adaptation of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice from 2005. I said 2005 already. Um, <laughs> Keira Knightley, uh, Matthew McFadden, Donald Sutherland, uh, Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, and uh, probably a couple others I'm forgetting. Um, uh, oh, Elon Musk's
1: ex-wife. You know,
0: <laughs> Harriet Jones from, uh, from Doctor Who, who <laughs> was also in Downton Abbey. Uh, actor, <laughs> yeah, yeah. actress whose name I'm forgetting was the aunt um, yeah this this is the same story right so, so nothing nothing too much to dig into in the story of this one we talked at length about the culture and the history and um, stuff about the novel I did talk to um, my mom a little bit while I was traveling because this I know about this story in this movie because she watched the miniseries. Um, yeah. Amusingly, she told me that growing up and stuff, she never heard about *Pride and Prejudice*. Like it okay. wasn't a thing that ever crossed her radar. But then she heard about it from uh, *You've Got Mail*. Right when mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Meg Ryan is is emailing Tom Hanks about this, which is amusing to me because I feel the same way about *The Godfather*. Right, Tom Hanks talks about *The Godfather* <laughs> in that movie.
1: Yeah. Right
0: um but she watched the miniseries with a handful of other um uh like romance movies or or miniseries something that my dad picked up somewhere at some point they were traveling or maybe she was sick i forget what the thing but um it's become you know this classic again
1: yeah
0: and um i guess i I can say go ahead
1: I was going to say, I think every list, I was just going to interject that I think every list that you see anywhere online, I've done a little bit of reading and research on a lot of stuff this last week with this show, which I won't go into, but but I will say that almost everyone puts these two as the top two and, uh, versions that anyone's ever seen, that they've that, done so many, and these two that, are the top.
0: That doesn't surprise me at all, mainly because these are the only two I've seen, right? Nobody yeah. ever talks about the one. I know... I said this, I probably said this last week, but back in 05 when this movie came out, they talked about it on Film Spotting, which is one of the earliest movie podcasts because podcasts just started in like 04. Um, And they had a bunch of their listeners write in to say, oh, you got to watch the BBC miniseries from 95. And they're like, I have never had so many people recommend to me a BBC miniseries costume drama as we have in talking about Pride and Prejudice. Um, yeah. And so I don't think even for me, even that the miniseries was like the adaptation of Pride and Prejudice for me for, I mean, I don't think I saw it when it was new in 95, but for almost a decade, right. Cause there's only 10 years between those two. Yeah. Um, uh even though that to me was like the original and the 05 was the new one um i don't think i could say that one is better than the other i think um, they're both excellent right i mean they really they're really they're they're both excellent i think um just as a if i were going to try to sum it up as as succinctly as possible um i think the 95 version gives you a better opportunity to appreciate the writing and the dialogue because it's all spread out and you get a lot of back and forth. It's been too long since I read the novel to say like, which things were changed, where obviously it's maybe more obvious because we watched the 95 one last week and I watched the Oh five version a couple days ago. Right. Um, so it was really easy for me to see where things were compressed, right? For to sure. take it from sure, yeah. to take it from five and a half hours down to two, um, to say like, oh, they're going straight from this happening right into this happening, where those were completely separate scenes, maybe with some other events in between, and there are time jumps in both, um, yeah. where you see like this and this, the seasons passing. Um, so I think. I think that is a big advantage of the miniseries. Um, is it's is it's more. It's 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 more. Um, I don't want to say. I don't want to say methodical. It's more sort of contemplative, and uh, you know, stuff has has room to breathe, where the film is. Um, is just visually stunning. 100 um, percent without a you doubt. can really see the 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 difference in budget from mm-hmm. the 95 I mean, to the just in the ball to the film right.
1: alone right
0: yeah yeah I mean there's they have the, as as far as like people actors extras all that it's kind of the same right like sure. the crowd scenes are crowded there still is a lot of talent in actors on both sides i think everyone that i've talked to likes the mother in the 05 version much better (laughs) um even my mom who loves them both um Mm -hmm. is like the the you know it's the same like the writing the character is the same but the 95 version of the mother is just so ridiculous um and over the top um but you can see like there are scenes and again i don't i'm sure that somebody on youtube and i I was going to look for those but I spent all my spare time playing Baldur's Gate Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that someone has compared these adaptations to the novel and said you know this scene or this conversation in 95 happens in their drawing room and in the the film they're outside in front of a beautiful lake with mist coming off the moors and there's this giant Stone gazebo. What is this? Whose is? This? Why is this <laughs> yeah. here? Um, it doesn't matter because it just is so. Vis- I mean, even yeah. not even the like. I don't want to say that it's all like grand vistas and things like you're watching uh, what Poldark or or Game of Thrones or or something like that. Even right. the even in the little things where like there's a bunch of fa- the, of animals all around their house, which uh, mom said is something from the book, like. They had animals. They had a farm because, like, yeah, they're they're landlords. You know, Mister Bennett is a landlord, but they're still they're poor nobility, yeah. right? So they still have animals and this sort of farm. And um, I appreciate that you see him. He's not he's not as endearing or or witty as the father in as Mister Bennett in the, the miniseries, yeah. but you see him doing more stuff, which I yeah. appreciated.
1: Um, I, I, I want to interject a, a thing about what you said visually and how what what you just said here with that. The, the part where you're talking about when they're talking about this stone gazebo, as you described it, is a perfect example of how you say the the film is more visually engaging. Because in that scene, they're both in the rain outside in this kind of, like I said, just, it's pouring down rain in this huge ancient stone gazebo where they're having a very very pivotal scene to the whole movie, right? It's when mm-hmm. they come together and he confesses himself for the second time and asks her and she confesses to him. It's a oh, huge that's... scene, right? Uh,
0: they're backwards. The gazebo is the first confession.
1: Is that right? Okay. Try to think. Yeah. Right. The,
0: the, the second one, she's just standing out in the, in the moors with the steam.
1: There's, oh, with the steam, like steam right, right. Okay. rising up and he you're, comes you're right. The, uh, the but, slow shot of him, him coming right. up. So, 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 so. Either way, we'll go with it with the first one. So, the first one, like she, she, he confesses uh, his feelings to her. It's in the rain. There's this beautiful gazebo type thing, and it's just this otherworldly environment and cinematography that's happening while this very pivotal, emotion highly emotional scene is happening with great performances. Which won her, her won her a, a, an Oscar nomination, by the way, and mm-hmm. um, that scene in the miniseries is in a normal room, right? Like he walks yeah, into her it's, apartment
0: it's, or something like that. It's it's in the hotel room when she's staying uh, with her aunt and uncle, right? right so it's just, the, but it's just in a very a nondescript room. It's and it's the, the same set where he comes back and she reads the letter and finds out about Lydia. It's, right. again, more like in the miniseries, that scene where she reads the letter and he finds out like it's just the two of them. And again, I don't I don't have the comparison of the novel to say, like, which is which is more accurate, because in the movie, her and uncle are both there. So they all find out well, at the same time.
1: Well, well, what I'm trying to get at here is that it's Go just ahead. a room and and the, the performances yes, the are side. both equally powerful and equally well performed. And the dialogue is wonderful and great. And you get the great emotions and feelings in both things. But in Mm -hmm. the film, to your point about it being visually like a part of it, that's why you over here and you have this great, beautiful scene and the rain and everything going on all in one time. And you don't have that in the other one. Doesn't mean the dialogue and the performances are any different, but that's the difference between the two. And I think that's, very different in both of them in all scenes they're they're all every point is matched for matched pretty much in both uh, mm-hmm. versions every story-wise yes yeah, yeah. story-wise every beat is hit you know the performances are excellent by all of the characters and all of the cast in both very, of
0: them very little changed in the
1: text right. of the script um but a but, thing but that visual part that i was describing happens not just in there that is echoed through all of the stuff. So in, whereas um, in the mini series, they might be sitting on the table and Mr. Bennett says something in this one, he's walking through the house with the pig, you know, that he, that he's going through mm-hmm. and, and that's with a servants walking around. And it's kind of a thing. So it's, again, they, it adds such a visual component that the original just didn't have to your point being probably a budget and the fact that they were stre- stretching their budget over um, five hours instead of, you know, with multiple cast, big stuff this is supposed to be just a two hour film. Um, right, but that's right. I just wanted to highlight. That's what I was trying to highlight here is that your point of visual, but not necessarily making it in a this is a an important core part of the scene. It just enhances it in a different way.
0: Yeah. I watched an interesting video uh, last week about the the miniseries I Claudius, which is an older as a BBC miniseries, like from the 70s. Um, where they're, they're because it's, I mean, it's considerably more low budget, even than the 95 Pride and Prejudice. Like it's all a bunch of cheap soundstage sets. Like nobody is ever outside. Um, and they're doing so much more with the camera because they have to right it's like a play and then but a play with the camera as a character that's moving around and doing all this stuff i don't think there's as much of that in the 95 pride and prejudice where the 05 is doing more like long dramatic cuts and you'll follow a person through the thing and i forgot that this was the movie where when they're dancing i mean so much of the dance is well is well done like mm-hmm. she dances with mr collins and instead of him like flubbing up the dance, they set up the 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 dance conversation with her and Darcy that's coming by having him try to talk to her, but she because they're dancing and they're moving around, there are just these little windows where you can talk, mm-hmm. um, and that happens in the miniseries too. But in this one, like he keeps trying to talk and she's here, and then she's talking to Jane, and then she's back, and then he's trying to sit, and but he just has a little window. And then when she's with Darcy, they're both, like, she's engaged. Her attention is on him, and so there's a longer window where he can say his line, and she can say hers, and they go back and forth. And then they do this kind of, I don't know. I'm sure that when I saw it, it was like, oh, that's really awesome. And now I see it, and I'm like, all right, that's kind of clever. Like, well, it, it's, not, th- that's it's another... not magical to me, but they they do this thing where the the room is empty. Right. They're dancing in a line of dancers and they talk for a little while and then the room is empty. It's a thing where I think partly because it's a movie with a larger budget and partly because they're trying to tell the same story in a much shorter time.
1: That, that's that's what I was going to say. I they're was say doing that.
0: that they, they did things with the visual medium um, that you can do in a novel right like you can describe right like she she talks to him and and it felt as if there was no one else in the room right you could just put that on a text it's harder to do um on screen because you don't have narration but you can do what they did where now they're dancing in an empty room and then as soon as the camera cuts behind one person's head and they bow and now everybody else is back and you're like oh that's a like it's showing us
1: yeah, that's that, that's something that as an example for the difference between there when you take gives things to breathe. And that's what I would tell people when they ask me the differences. One I would say the visual thing, as you pointed out, and the other one was this scene as a as an as a an example that happens throughout, between the two, is that in the mini series we um Jane talks to um, Lizzie about um Mr. Wickham being assigned and you know not at the ball and why he's not there and Mm -hmm. you get that in the miniseries where they come up and they talk and they have a conversation about it and then she asks why and there's there's banter back and forth and then they have the dance and they don't really talk in between there they just show it's a scene of them all dancing and there's not a lot of conversation there so um as an example between the difference with time and how they do things is in the film they take that same Conversation and they fit it in the dance and they put it together, so it doesn't feel they still get the same information. They just, as you said, they don't. They let it breathe in this five-hour miniseries mm-hmm. where they can have a long conversation about Mister Wickham and then they can uh, go have a dance. And here they're doing it at the same time. And then everything is a condensed instead of a, a banter back and forth about Mister Wickham and why he would be there and reaffirming Lizzie's. Uh, feelings about Mister Wickham and and Mister Darcy and what they think and then convincing Jane about that she just they just say it in three lines right she'll say right. like oh Mister Wickham here why would he do that one and then he's like oh I guess he's going up north he's like I don't like that like it's just all of the dialogue was just much more on point um and I, for me since we're kind of running over here on time I th- this one's my favorite. There's no wrong answer on this one for the between these two because they're they're both as I've repeatedly said so well acted so well written so well just Mm -hmm. everything's wonderful and I love the story and neither of these two are worse than the other there's no way that they're worse. Um, I so you have to you basically pick your favorite on what you like about the things, it could be even the actors or the actresses. Um, for for mine, the visual part of it just draws me in just like it does uh, special effects in a movie. You know, it, it adds sure. to a thing that doesn't necessarily need to be there always, but I can't help it subconsciously. Um, and I think the shortened time really, and the way that they wrote the script really helped, really, really helped me understand a lot of motivations and a lot of, hmm. um, the story. Um, I didn't quite understand some things in the, uh, in the mini series because they just were kind of, um pawing around at reasons and they would say things and hint and drop little things about why Mr. Wickham is this way or they would just give allusions and you know not flat out say it but in in the 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 movie they just say it this you know he goes like this is why I don't like Mr. Wickham and he says it in like a minute and a half and it's all very plain and I'm like oh I got it but in the mini series, he says it over like twenty minutes and they show the past and they show the the data, or they show the stuff, and they're doing a lot of different things that I don't with different language and different banter back and forth. And here it's just a very short, succinct, this is the reason, and that's the why. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Same thing with uh the the Lydia. So Lydia's the, the sister, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. in in the miniseries, they show that she goes off, and they stay. They show them in a in a hotel room in London, London. or wherever they abscond mm-hmm. to. That it, it's nice and it's good, and it gives you a little bit about how she feels and how Wickham feels. But it's ne- not necessarily necessary, right? And in the film, they don't have that scene at all. They just talk about her being a where they're at, and where they're uh, eloped to and then she shows back up at the house right later right uh, it's, it's interesting not because a huge part of it but it's enough that you just they just told me about it instead of right having it it's to show interesting me because i don't
0: think as much as the the dialogue and the and the writing is edited or yeah edited is the right word um, i the language is very much unchanged right they still much, very much right yeah they still talking all the same way so it's interesting to me that you found that clearer because for me and again it probably just comes from from just just having watched the miniseries um the they to me they blazed through the lydia story so fast that i was like i'm getting the essentials here like i'm getting all of the high points but i'm i'm missing some of the emotion of And it's still there. It's not, it's not missing is too strong a word, but I'm like, we don't get to see her like come back and be kind of cocky, even though she almost ruined her whole family and they all have to
1: just put up with it because what else are they going to do? Like, right. But but what's, what's the important part of that scene? The important part of that scene is that she reveals to Elizabeth that Mr. Darcy did that. That's the most important thing. And in the mini series, that whole thing with Lydia and Wickham is an hour long. It takes an entire episode. And they spend that whole time on that episode with Lydia and her mistake. And right. in this one, it's 10 minutes. And because of that, they I knew exactly... What was And I didn't get out of that Lydia stuff. There was a lot going on there. There was like her going to London in the miniseries and how they felt and how Wickham felt and and how Lydia felt and the mom felt and the sisters and how the dad was dealing with it. It was just so much. And someone could say that that is all flavor and they're not wrong. But the important part of the story is that we're in the phase where Darcy is making up for the things that he felt he did wrong. And I felt that that was a little bitty couple line thing in that hour long episode of the miniseries. Whereas here it was two, three minutes of the 10 minute scene. And like, oh, I got it. Oh, this is the important part. And I and that's all of a sudden it made sense to me because in that hour that I watched the miniseries, they showed a whole thing of the wedding and Darcy kind of showing up. But I didn't really know what they were trying to tell me because they just pieced it through an hour and it, it didn't hit the same way. That's why I'm trying to get here is that they didn't, they didn't not display it in the mini series, but because they spread it out over an hour here, they just gave me the information that I needed. And it all of a sudden it was just fitting in with his other things that he did. And all of a sudden you had 30 minutes of Darcy making up for stuff and now I'm ready for him to, to fall in love with her so it just kind of moved my emotions from one emotion to the next emotion into the grand finale of him coming together with her and I felt swept up in it whereas sure. yeah. whereas in, it took two hours in the mini series to do so it's not a it's not a bad thing either way one I would actually recommend watching the, the movie fir- first and then going back and watch the miniseries so that you can get a much bigger breadth of things and let it breathe and see some things and watch the wedding and see Darcy do stuff like that. Um, yeah. You
0: know, I know that like I, one, becomes the other. I read the book after having seen the miniseries hmm. and I was able to more, right. To, like to really just, just enjoy it because I, I know what's going on in the story and I can read even more of like, right. Mr. Bennett, with his sick burns um, <laughs> great burns right in in the in, in, the, in the novel
1: I, um, I, the, the last thing i do want to say about this this episode that i think is kind of important to me and was probably the biggest change for me was i just did not like mr darcy in the miniseries until he confessed himself to jane and you and i talked about that last week about i thought he was just mean and a jerk i don't think that they uh, portrayed him well. That it, they did the whole oh because he just is and he's secret and whatever. He just still was a jerk. And I mentioned that last week. In this one, I actually really got the care and understood the character of Darcy a lot more. I felt that the performance by is it Colin Firth when is that mm-hmm. either does and the performance yeah. of him was not mean per se to Lizzie at the ball. And it's probably because he had less time to do it. When they were in the the, the drawing room with the sister, uh, with Mr. Bingsley and his sister, um, mm-hmm. and they'd take that turn around the room type stuff. In that one, he was, in the, in the miniseries, he was kind of mean and curt and a, a jerk again, just a jerk the whole time. <laughs> in this one, he really wasn't. He was matter of fact and said the things that he said, uh, but wasn't kind of just a jerk is the word to say. So That's I, the, the feeling you, the I got names,
0: from this. Yeah. We, we have the, we have the names backward. Colin
1: Firth is in the mini series. Oh, he's in the mini Matthew, okay, yeah. is, is, Matthew McFadden is in the movie. It's so, funny. So I, I, I felt that he, I, let me finish it. He, he said, I felt that he, his performance made me feel like he was just an introverted guy who did. And he says it, he says that line in the movie. I just don't know how to express. I'm not quick to express myself. And I don't know how to, handle myself around new people. That's a line that's in the movie. That's not in the miniseries. And when he said that, I was like, Oh yeah, I get it. I can, I felt that when you were, when you were interacting with her, that you were very awkward and giving the wrong things the whole time. And then he says it to her. And I'm like, yeah, this guy I like because he just couldn't get his words and his emotion outright. Whereas I... opposed in the mini series, it was just a jerk turning around and being a good guy. All <laughs> sudden.
0: I, almost completely disagree um (laughs) uh, i i don't i'm pretty sure that 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 he doesn't say introvert but the line you're talking about i'm almost certain he doesn't say introvert series i would i would have to i would have to go and check i do i do agree that matthew mcfadden's performance does convey more socially awkward introvert than colin firth's um i and, and I don't know, maybe this is just already knowing the story, but I can see the same, like, because it's the same character, like, I can see the, the, him when, when she's interacting with Caroline Bingley and they're walking around the room. I can see him, like, he's trying to compliment her, but he doesn't really know how. Right. And so, and so she is sort of getting mixed signals or maybe just hearing his words a certain yep. way but his, the sister Bingley sisters are kind of reacting to it in a different way like I don't know I don't know. Yeah um, yeah the, and and the I only, got that
1: on the second one I think a lot more than I did the first I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing that's the the big thing aside from the visuals that I will say for the movie is that even though it's the same text like the pacing um you know the accelerated pacing and the actors performances um give like the emotions are still there but but everything in the movie is so much more raw like people are more energetic and get dirty and they're for some reason getting wet all the time i mean people get wet in the miniseries but not <laughs> nearly as i feel like every other scene they're like standing in the rain and i'm like
1: why are they i mean i feel it important to point but, out that that the that the movie was made the girls look middle-class like they they made them their hair was not perfect they had flyaways this many articles have talked about the flyaways on the girl in this movies is that they (laughs) they they did not have perfectly coiffed hair all the time or almost ever and lizzie showed up with like disheveled hair most of the time whereas the like georgiana and bingsley's sister were always just like perfect movie quality all the time sure Sure. Uh, so that yeah, was just that's, a wonderful job of the movie dude.
0: that's that's part, so like that's part of the visuals but just the there's there's so much the, the emotion portrayed in the film is so much more raw yeah. while while still having the same writing which which gave it a kind of um realism that i that i really appreciated and i remember appreciate when i first saw it years ago yeah.
1: All right, okay. So, are we, are we're, we watching? We're, are we watching another thing this week, or are we doing the zombie e, thing? E,
0: let's let's cut in between. I think chronologically, this is the right order because this started in like two thousand eleven. Um, we're going we're going way off the way off the reservation here because I want us to watch a YouTube series. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, okay, all right. From I think it started around two thousand eleven, um, called the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. Okay. Um, this is a modern retelling of this story in, uh, like what we used to call vlog now would just call YouTuber or, or streamer, but they're yeah. it's like a YouTube diary. I mean, right. it literally is a YouTube diary, but it's in character, right? She's doing it in character. Um, I watched this as it was, as, as she was publishing, as she was posting it. um, I haven't seen it since. I remember it being really good, but it's still um, modern setting. So you get most of, you know, it's told in diary format. So you don't, I don't think, I don't think you ever leave her room, but once in a while you'll meet um, a couple of the other characters and there aren't as many characters. Some of them are condensed. Like uh, I, I think the other two sisters who are not super important to the story anyway, Mary and, and, Kitty right. are gone. It's just the other th- the other two, um, and you never meet the parents. But anyway, yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Um, I don't remember how long it is, um, so we'll see if we watch some of them and get to like okay, this has been going for like three hours, and, <laughs> and I don't I don't think it's super long because I think they're probably like ten minute episodes or something. But um, we'll see. I just thought it would okay. be. I mean just like the 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 zombie one aside from being zombies is still in the same time period um sort of uh where this is it's modern but not as i don't think it deviates as much as like uh bridget jones's diary right which is a modern it's like it's like how clueless is an adaptation of emma it's just really really different yeah um so yeah that's okay uh,
1: Cool. We'll do that. that
0: okay. well, geez, Almost two hours here. but <laughs> Got me going on Pride and Prejudice, and then we had to talk about Star Trek and Baldur's Gate, two of our most big, long topics. Um, okay. Uh, where's my notes here? You've been listening to the Front Porch. is episode 312. Thanks, as always, to our friends at LRM Online. Check them out for reviews on things. If you want to reach out to us and tell... Either of us, everything we're wrong about, whichever is your favorite adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com and find contact forms there where you can reach out to us. And I'll put a link to the YouTube series that we're watching this week. Next week. This week. Whatever. Hmm. Um if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice and while you're there if you leave us a review. We always appreciate that. It helps out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch.
1: night, everybody. See you next time.